Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to the IFG podcast. Uh, I have an extremely special guest with me today, Umar from Wahid Invest. This is not your first appearance. You're like the, well, I, I, I was going to say something possibly blasphemous, so I won't go there. Um, this is the second coming of yes. Umar Suleiman. <laughs> I don't know if that you know, sounds any better, bro, honestly. <laughs> Um, it's a pleasure to have you here exactly. and I'm really excited to get into all things, uh, you know, your personal story about how you got to Wahid. Obviously, we know your personal story from the previous podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, before we dive in, what's the, you know, the single, if there was one really uh, crazy memory or really one powerful memory that you've had since you've joined Wahid, what would you say that was? Wow. Okay. Um, so first of all, it's like for having me again. <laughs> Thank you. And um, yeah, Ibrahim, so well, Wahid, I mean, I've got to say, it's the people I've met, definitely through Wahid, there's been lots of people, and when you work in financial services, ultimately it's financial services, you're around a lot of people who have a lot of money. And whatever preconceived ideas you have of them, uh, sometimes they live up to it, sometimes they don't. But one thing that really hit me was, a lot of people know by now, we've got as a new ambassador, Khabib. We're currently, alhamdulillah, we're going to announce very soon a uh, another ambassador uh, who plays for the best football team in the world at one time. Um, and uh, people, what they know of him, would probably think he's quite far from perhaps, I guess, being overtly practicing. But when the team went to see him, uh, he said something actually that quite moved me. He said that when I leave this world, uh, I want to ensure that all of my money is being used for good. And it's being used either as a sadaqa jaria or in another way that it's helping people. And that was something I didn't expect, actually, you know, yeah. subhanAllah. And that's really something that's hit me. And, and there's lots of little stories like that. You see people, mashallah, Allah's blessed them with huge amounts of wealth. But the hair that they do with it in their own little way is something that kind of hits me. But this guy, this really big uh, football player, inshallah, which we'll announce soon, um, uh, what he said uh, very much uh, resonated with me. MashaAllah. No, it's, uh, it's, always, it's always fascinating, isn't it? How, you know, you, you might, the, the last person that you might expect or, because we have all these preconceived notions about people, right? And, and actually, you know, the, there's so many hadith about how, you know, the person that you might think is a, com- you know, yeah. someone completely, you know, is, is a sinner. And I'm, and I'm not saying, by the way, there's no, no footballers course, anywhere yeah, near yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has a different uh, yardstick. Absolutely. And I've got to say generally, look, alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me to be able to travel and visit lots of different countries, meet lots of different people. And one thing that really struck me is often we can get quite negative about Muslims. But, you know, in every country, in every place I've been, there were people I met who expressed Islam in their own way uh, and it's so beautiful whether it be in the middle of a remote village uh, in Pakistan where it's a, a woman who a really old woman who's living on her own she's got nothing but heart and she offered us everything she had to sitting in the midst of Dubai with a, a super millionaire who's talking about how he wants to see um, Muslim brands come out you know global and, and be accessed by everyone you know, in their own way, they express their faith. Yeah. And uh, that's important. You know, sometimes it is easy to judge people by our own standards, but everyone's got their own journey. 100%. And uh, Umar, you've got your own journey. So you're a, what I call a Islamic finance life longer. Uh, you're in it for the long haul. And uh, what was it that, you know, you were doing before Wahid? Yeah. Uh, and what made you, you know, take the leap, I guess, and join Wahid? Yeah, so, I mean, okay. So, Islamic finance, uh, something I thoroughly uh, believe in, in terms of principles, in terms of uh, just the beauty of the Sharia and its justice, and, and the pivotal role that finance plays, especially today. You know, it's always been important, but in terms of the role it plays today in shaping societies, shaping economies, you know, shaping countries, um, etc. And um, I studied economics at university, and the normal career route for everyone was kind of going to investment banking, and I, I did my stint in investment banking. Um, and, and you know that it's fundamentally unjust, it's fundamentally unjust. And then understanding, and I have to thank Tariq al-Diwani for this, actually my first experience of someone speaking and breaking down how uh, banking works was through Tariq al-Diwani, and then obviously the various mashaykh that I spoke to, Sheikh Haytham, uh, is a key one in that. 
And um, so I always thought, okay, look, there's a better way of doing these things. These are principles of justice. You know, you can see financial oppression. You can see it in the world. Uh, so I, I want to be able to fight against that. That's my own kind of fight uh, with the skills that Allah has given me coming from an economics background. Um, so this is my journey. I kind of started entering, learning more about Islamic finance. Um, then I started my career at Ernst & Young. They had an Islamic finance desk. I was an auditor, the driest job you can do. <laughs> but the Islamic finance bit, obviously, there, there was an alignment. So I worked very closely with um, the, brother, the, the brother who set it up, Umar Sheikh, mashallah, who I actually sit on the board of IFC with now. So, you know, and we used to talk about this, you know, from a philosophical perspective. So all of this was going at the same time. This is probably about uh, 15, 16 years ago now. Um, HSBC Amana had just kind of come out and you started seeing in the mainstream outside walking outside a normal bank, oh, Islamic banking, etc. But then as I found out, for me, there was a bit of a divergence. And I guess, you know, within Islamic finance, there's, there's, uh, there's a bit of a discussion to be had here that whilst they offered Islamic products, from the position I took, it was that these weren't completely aligned to, I guess, the, the spirit of the Sharia in that yeah. sense. So uh, whilst I support them, I, I still support um, Islamic finance, the, the industry, I never tied myself to any of the, the, the people offering products or the, the organizations or companies offering products at that time. So I was waiting, is the structuring that I didn't feel comfortable with. So I kept myself abreast, I was uh, involved in other elements of Islamic finance, either from an advisory perspective, working with uh, various Sharia councils, working very closely with scholars in terms of uplifting them, in terms of what they understood, uh, how conventional finance worked, um, and some, doing kind of some consultancy. And it's only in the last few years, and I guess with the rise of fintech, mm. that, uh, that came as a disruptor, that I started to get more involved in the actual uh, implementation of Islamic finance. So Islamic finance up until the last few years for me was, look, I don't feel comfortable with the products because they're structured in a way and I don't feel comfortable with the way they're structured. Then we had the rise of the fintechs and then we, we saw we had companies that were actually Sharia based. They weren't touching lending. So it made it clearer. They weren't touching lending in that perspective. And so Alhamdulillah, in that time, Wahid came, Wahid came about, uh, Wahid launched about five years ago. I remember just seeing, wait a second, they've taken out this huge uh, advert or in, in the Times Square. Oh, really? Which was, yeah, Times Square said Eid Mubarak from Wahid. That's, you know, uh, the equivalent of us having a big advert in Leicester Square or something. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, and I was like, wow, who are these guys? But I didn't know enough about them. Then they came to the UK, Alhamdulillah. Then I started to engage with the team that was here, started to understand, okay, they're about providing investment opportunities for the average Muslim, um, but not touching lending. And then it's when I had a conversation with the, their founder a few years ago, uh, myself and Junaid sat down, and at that time was the CFO, Aris, and they came, came and we had a discussion just about Islamic finance. And I started off and I just went into a rant about the Islamic finance industry. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I normally just say it because I think, you know, I, I don't want to waste anyone's time. If they're going down it for that route, I'm not interested. Um, uh, and then subhanAllah, like, I thought they were just smiling. Halfway, something's not right here. And they go, look, we very much align with you in terms of uh, your, your approach to Islamic finance. Um, we want to disrupt how the industry is. You know, we don't want to go into any debt-based products, into any yeah. lending, etc. Keep it clean. So Alhamdulillah. So from there, we found that our values were aligned. And then um, I kind of joined them. Uh, they asked me to uh, lead their advisory board. And then Alhamdulillah, from there, it's kind of, you know, come to the point where they eventually asked me um, uh, a little while ago to lead the UK. So up until that, I'd had a conventional career man so i was working uh hsbc uh kind of specialized in risk um and then i was moving into the technology side of risk so my, my laterals were specifically around digital banking and working in technology and managing the risk for that and then yeah alhamdulillah came across finally i found an organization a home where it kind of brought together all the different elements of my life really to be honest you know, from uh, working in the community, um, the DAO activities I was doing, my, my fight against um, economic oppression, uh, working for an organization that held the same Islamic values, um, working in Islamic finance, uh, but that wasn't doing debt products. So it was just, alhamdulillah, it was um, uh, a marriage made in heaven, inshallah. 
Is a, you came full circle. Exactly. So what was, um, so now that you're uh, full-time, you're, you're the head of UK, right? Yeah. So um, w- what does that mean, you know, day-to-day? And, and how have you found, you know, your new role as not as an advisor, but actually, you know, in the driving seat? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, being the general manager of the UK, um, it's easy and I've had to kind of discipline myself because I'm always somebody who's been hands-on you got to take this, take a step back, and, and you got to think about leadership holistically, and in terms of developing your teams and uh, ensuring that the the teams are uh, delivering what they should. It's too easy, like for for anyone, I guess, from this type of experience, to just jump in and do it yourself. But you got to step back and and let them grow and let them fail, uh, and and make sure that you're there. And it's it's about thinking about loads of different things at the same time. So whereas before maybe his focus has been on specific just one element, maybe it's risk or growth um, or, or the technology side. Now, actually, it's, you've got to have that oversight over all of it. You've got to look. A key thing for me is understanding that the values are embedded in everyone that works there. So and this is something I, I say to the team, um, you know, having an Islamic product uh, isn't just the product. You know, it's about us living the values. It's about ensuring that we're, um, you know, Sharia compliant in how we do things. And that goes down to how we treat each other in the office, uh, how quickly we respond to people. Um, and it's that amana. This is something I remember I wrote an email when I joined about how I like to do things. And I just said to everyone, look, I'm really easy going. Generally, I'm really easy going. The one thing that really upsets me is if I feel someone's rights have been transgressed. You know, And that could be anyone because you've got uh, investors in the company. Of course, yeah. You've got customers of the company. You've got suppliers. You've got each other. You know, so uh, you've got to be cognizant of all of that, and especially something like money. You know, when it mm. comes to money, it's such a heavy amana, you know, so um, being balanced of all of that, you know, and it's, it's not been easy, Brim, to be honest with you. Um, How I've, many months have you been in the role? Uh, three months today. It's hectic, isn't it? The first quarter. Oh, honestly, honestly, it's, it's flown by. Um, it's been crazy, honestly, and alhamdulillah, I don't think I've ever worked this hard in my life. That's and that's being an auditor in busy season, yeah. Uh, I've never worked, but subhanAllah, it hasn't for one moment felt like work. I've never ever gone to sleep and I think, oh no, I've got work tomorrow, or woken up in the morning thinking I've got, got work to go to. Genuinely, like, the brain's always ticking, alhamdulillah, because the mission and the vision mm. is aligned. Exactly, 100%. I, I, I completely, you know, I can, I can share that sentiment, where, you know, when I was working at, in corporate law, it's... <laughs> You know, you can't. You do sometimes dream about work, but that's yeah. not a that's a nightmare. Yeah. That's not. <laughs> yeah, that's not a great uh, great place to be. But you know, with you know, with Islamic finance guru, I feel like it's uh, you know, it, it's a hobby. It's not even really work. Exactly. Um, I get to. I mean, this is work. What we're doing. I mean, Completely. That, that's bonkers. And the thing is, you talk about this anyway. You'd be doing these things anyway. Exactly. Enjoy yeah. it. You're like, you know, if there's a new product that comes out, I'm sure you'd want to find out about it anyway. You know, like yeah. it's these things that interest you. So Alhamdulillah, it's completely from that point of view, it's, it's aligned. So it may end up being longer hours or you're thinking about things, but it's not that type of stress. Yeah, I know what you mean. So talking of uh, products, what's the, um, you know, what, what does Wahid do for people sure. who don't know? Um, yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, let, let's kick off with that first. Okay, uh, very simply, so I'll speak from a UK perspective. Um, so what we offer is uh, the ability to invest, alhamdulillah, in a, a fund, uh, equities fund um, in the UK uh, that's done via our new app, alhamdulillah. Uh, we are fully regulated and we are also set up to allow ISAs as well. So people can invest in ISAs, they can benefit from, from the tax. Uh, we also um, facilitate investment for people's pensions, for their SIP or workplace pension. At its most basic, you choose your risk profile. You can choose your risk profile, your appetite for risk, and then it's automatically aggregated uh, and you have the ability to fully invest in something which, I wouldn't say high risk because it's we have a very diversified approach, but into equities and then investing in gold through that and also in Sukuks for a kind of a lower risk but a more stable return. So it's really giving people access to investing in a tax efficient manner. Yeah. You know, and, digitally and, delivered. And so let's let's like check that. So the what's the lowest amount you can start with? Fifty pounds. Okay. And 
is the you know do you have people who um, you know start investing with just like a few hundred pounds let's say yeah absolutely I think <clears throat> excuse me a lot of people because they're not sure and you know I mean, this is a topic for a whole other conversation about how people's fingers have been burnt yeah you know, when it comes to investments oh, you know, that's hey, a, that is a big topic exactly uh, and you've done a very good video on it by the way mashallah um, yeah. but um, yeah so I, I think people are trying to try it out kind of wet their toes a bit so they put in a small amount what we find is people put initially a small amount because the app now alhamdulillah gives you kind of full visibility you can see how it's doing you can track it um, they then very quickly scale up and they invest a lot more yeah. so we start with people initially they put in a, a small amount they see maybe 50 few hundred pounds see how it goes and then after a few months they you know they, they pump it up and and then what about um let's say someone says you know i um i'm a millionaire mm. is is wahid right for me what would you what would you say for that to that do you have people who are you know millionaires of yeah absolutely we alhamdulillah we have um a significant number of millionaires actually who use it i think look this is the thing, and this, this is a big conversation to have actually, Ibrahim, is like, look, what are the alternatives? When you don't put your money in halal investments, where yeah. else are you putting it? And most people don't understand or they don't have access to actually the, the tools or the ability to invest, or they leave it in their bank, um, and which is has its own issues from facilitating oppression, being part of the interest-based system. And, and so millionaires, alhamdulillah, they, they have the AUM, they all get a, a different rate. Um, that they pay for uh, for their funds being managed, alhamdulillah. And also, and we'll talk about the other products that we're coming through with, alhamdulillah, uh, there's other opportunities for them uh, to, um, I guess, have their wealth managed. Yeah. And um, and what about, so is, is Wahid, would you say, is there certain people that Wahid is not right for as well? Not right for, I guess, um, look, it, it comes down to, um, whether people are in a position in which they can save money. Yeah. Genuinely, it comes down to whether people are in a position in which they can save money. That's one option. The second option is the debt versus investment discussion. Yeah. Uh, should people prioritize paying off their debt mm. or to invest invest the money? And that comes to their, their own situation. Yeah. Other than that, because of the, the, the low risk options that we have, uh, and if you were to put in a small amount, and you can do it monthly, it, it, it doesn't exclude anyone from yeah. having access to halal investing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and uh, so you, you trailed it just there. What's the, you know, what's the exciting stuff that Wahid is working on now? Okay. Um, because he, you've got, obviously you've got the, the stocks and shares, portfolios, robo-advisor right. stuff. Um, what, what's next? Wow, okay. So alhamdulillah, so the stocks and shares we've got, we've got the digital bank coming out, alhamdulillah. I know at the moment it seems like um, you can't lift a stone in London without there being an Islamic digital bank underneath it. But uh, alhamdulillah, I'll talk about why, why this is different. Uh, so we've got the digital bank coming. We've got our uh, insurtech, so our digital takaful, inshallah, uh, which is really exciting. And we're also helping support a VC fund, which will be uh, definitely exciting in terms of providing that exposure to different types of investments. Uh, and the, the global network of opportunities that it creates uh, from, I guess, Muslim majority countries yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. helping push, you know, Muslim startups. This, this is um, Medan, right? I saw the, yes. like a LinkedIn post on yeah. this recently. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. that's like, I mean, I, I don't know if you're at liberty to say too much, but like, I think I looked on the website. It's a property crowd, uh, sorry, equity crowdfunding platform where you get access to deals. Um, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, more of it's going to come out, inshallah, it's being managed by its own team. Uh, and we at Wahid are supporting it, um, how it, you know, um, bringing it to fruition. But it's essentially, look, alhamdulillah, there are, you know, great entrepreneurs, people with great ideas in, in, in the Muslim world. Uh, and they just don't have access to capital. Alhamdulillah, because of Wahid's global network, they uh, have access to people with capital and ideas. And it's about marrying them together. Yeah. So we can see the rise of, inshallah, the next Muslim unicorn. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Amin to that. Amin indeed. Uh, and uh, what would you say, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned that, you know, Wahid is across the world. Um, and there's, I think there's like hundreds of thousands of customers, right? There's what, two, almost a quarter of a million. Wow. And out of them, I know it's probably a difficult one, but would you, is there one story or a few stories that really you know, stood out to you or touched your heart or 
made you change in some way? Um, I'll tell you something, actually. Um, we hear, because I'm close to, obviously, the UK clientele. And so we often hear, alhamdulillah, um, from our clients saying that, you know, actually some of them moving their entire life savings out of uh, their their banks and their investments into something, in, into Wahid, because they said that it's completely halal. And the fact that they, we give a purification report, etc., for them, it was that, you know, to try and ring fence their money from any haram. We hear lots of stories like this, which is inspiring in of itself, because sometimes it's easy to talk about this, but to actually yeah. take that step, uh, you know, riba, we know, the community knows the issue with riba, right? Uh, the imams know it. There's no other sin where Allah and His Rasul are at war with you. But how easy do we interact with riba? This, this is a big thing. So, um, so from that perspective, Alhamdulillah, there's lots of inspiring stories like that. But recently, um, our CFO was over from the US and he was telling us of one thing which really, you know, um, hit home for me was uh, there was a sister who was going through quite a nasty divorce, actually. She was going through a nasty separation. And um, her ex-husband was saying to her, oh, you won't be able to survive on your own. All of these types, you know, that the negative type of things you'll hear, um, you know, financially, you won't be able to stand by yourself, etc. You don't even know how to handle money and all these types of things. So she went through that, obviously a nervous wreck. Um, and, and the money that she had, she didn't know what to do with it. But Alhamdulillah, you know, she was a God-fearing woman. She wanted to ensure that it was uh, put in a, somewhere in a halal way. So she reached out to Wahid. And then, uh, Alhamdulillah, our team in the US spoke to her, advised her, helped her. You know, and fast forward like three years, like she's completely different now, Alhamdulillah. She's full of confidence again that, you know, Alhamdulillah, she put her money in a halal way. It grown, you know, uh, she, where she was kind of introverted. Now she felt comfortable and more confident in herself. And, and that's, you know, a whole different tangent to that. But, you know, Alhamdulillah, something like that really, because you felt the personal anguish that she was going through. And then Alhamdulillah, it turned out, you know, in, in the best way possible. Definitely. I, I think that's, uh, I mean, for me, I feel like, you know, when we're doing Islamic fintech, the, that aspect, the personal aspect and the Islamic aspect is so crucial. Uh, and I, I feel like it's very different to mainstream fintech. Like, you know, when you were working in HSBC or I was working at Devoice <laughs> or wherever, you know, the, the clients, they don't see you in the same way as... Uh, as you know, the, the customers of Wahid or, you know, for us with IFG, how they interact with us, you know, there, there's like a genuine thankfulness uh, yeah. and it feels like you're, you're actually doing some good. Yeah, um, subhanAllah. I mean, look with IFG, you guys, like the number of times people would refer to yourself, alhamdulillah, because they don't know. And, and this is the level of financial literacy is kind of appalling in our community, you know, for a number of reasons. Um, um, you know, it, it just shows you, alhamdulillah, the khair again. People want to do the right thing and they don't know where to go to. Yeah. And so, alhamdulillah, when they read one of your articles or watch one of your videos, you know, uh, it helps them. You know, so alhamdulillah, it's, it's, it's amazing stuff that you guys are doing, mashallah, on that front as well, you know. And, and you're right that how people respond to it, you know. It, it, for you, maybe it's just something you may say off the cuff. Yeah. Or, or you've written something, you know. But how people take it themselves and how they've onboarded it and kind of made really big decisions in their life based on it. Yeah. You know, um, so it hits you, the weight of that amana. But alhamdulillah, yeah. at least you know that, you know, you're trying to do some good. 100%. And, and I noticed on your WhatsApp, you had a message saying, you know, if you've got Islamic finance queries, um, Kabzi, you should, if you've got any Islamic finance queries, uh, hit me up after 7 p.m. Yeah. on weekdays or any time, I think it said, on the weekends. Yeah which I think is uh, very honorable, but also I can imagine you, you would get hounded by so many messages oh. and questions. But, the, but, but the, what I took away from that was, there's actually, I think, relatively few people in Islamic finance who genuinely do stuff like that. Um, and, and I think that's really important. Um, and I think that, that ethos, I think is, you know, I, I think it's great that essentially, you know, you and Wahid, have that ethos um, because without that you know what's the point yeah absolutely absolutely subhanallah look everyone in this space i think you know sometimes um 
you know, I was actually talking to the team yesterday, if I can say this, and we we're just talking about, you know, other people in the space, etc. And I was saying, Alhamdulillah, ultimately it's good. Uh, and we have to be, we have to question ourselves whether we're sincere, because it's so easy to get caught up in being competitive. And you don't want to be like the muflis, the bankrupt person. And, you know, it's ironic we're talking about finance, we're talking about being, <laughs> yeah. being bankrupt, that you think you're doing all of this stuff for, for good. Uh, and the reality is, and this is how I said it to, to the team as well, you know, how much have we really sacrificed? I'll, I'll be honest with you, look, I used to work for a company where, you know, all my Islamic activity was outside after seven, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, now I'm working for a company, alhamdulillah, where we can pray together, you know, we don't have the same pressures of all the other things that, you know, socializing that, like that, you know, people share your values and so on and so forth. Uh, and you're doing good. So, and you're getting paid for it. And you're getting paid for it. You know, it's easy to confuse that with some sort of great sacrifice you're making. And, and, and don't fall into that, you know, that we still got to be sincere, we've got mission. And the mission, you know, is really to fight oppression. Um, and then anyone else who joins is in this space, Alhamdulillah, you know, if we're sincere to it, then we should be happy that they're also fighting the mission, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Alhamdulillah, from that point of view, it's, it's, it's good, man. You know, we see more people coming in and um, yeah. The way I think about it is that, you know, there's there's like a navel gazing way of doing it which is oh you know look at there's so many other fintechs coming into the scene and this that and the other but then actually you know how much have we actually achieved you know, relative to what where we need to go for this muslim ummah to succeed as a whole that's not going to be a one man job that's a multi company job uh, and 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 very successful large companies at that yeah. um, where are we there in relative to that I th and I think, honestly, and you probably agree with me, we're nowhere um, relative to that. So, you know, within with that context, it feels like, you know, uh, talk of, you know, looking at each other and kind of get, getting distracted by that, I think is almost like, you know, yeah. it's a distraction. It is a distraction, honestly. And I think, you know, we've got to think big. Uh, you know, I constantly think, subhanAllah, you know, when the trumpet is blown, the person who first hears a trumpet, he's planting, you know, a sapling, and he, he continues to plant it. He's never going to see that tree grow, that plant grow. So we may not see the fruits of our labor today, but inshallah we hope, because if things continue the way they're going, and if we're sincere and we do things with Ihsan, then inshallah there'll be generations that come after us that will benefit from this. But we've got to shake it up. And it's not just Muslims calling to some of this stuff, you know, actually. When you talk about financial oppression, the, it's becoming more and more uh, steady in the mainstream. Yeah. You know, so there's COP, um, the whole uh, climate change conference coming yeah. up next month, etc. And I know a lot of people greenwash and a lot of people, you know, they, they just talk a good job. But we as Muslims really have this, um, this responsibility to ensure that we're sincere with our words and we live by this. Um, so I think it's gaining momentum. The Muslim space definitely is small. Uh, what we've been great at in the UK, I've got to say, is speaking up Islamic finance, right? We've been great at speaking up Islamic finance. It's, depending on which numbers you have, it's an X trillion industry yeah. and it's this and it's that. But if you ask how many people's lives have been touched or changed by Islamic finance, there's a huge disconnect. Yeah. Agreed with you completely. I mean, this is, uh, and now I'm coming to what I think is my favorite question uh, for this interview uh, and is relevant to what we we're just discussing. And that's uh, where do you think the big Islamic fintech trends are going or Islamic finance trends are going for the next decade? I mean, where are they going or where would I like or, them or, to go? Both, both. And what, what's the stuff that excites you? What's the stuff that you know worries you? What, what do you see, you know, in the, how do you see the world? Okay, so um, I think the uh, the breakdown of banks definitely we've seen that their power base has been chipped away at. Uh, when I was last at HSBC, when we had uh, a meeting with kind of senior management, they said the biggest thing that worries them is fintechs because if you start thinking about the different kind of components. Forex has been taken away from them, you know, uh, payments, you know, digital payments abroad, sending money X, Y, and Z. All of these things, if you start taking away, it kind of, you know, weakens their power base. So I think I'd like to see that enhanced. Um, I'd like to see uh, 
fairer access uh, to people irrespective of uh, their economic position. What I mean by that is the people who always benefit from finance are the rich. So they get the best rates, etc. Now we're not talking about lending, but I'm saying generally they get the best rates when it comes to, to the lending. Everything, yeah. Yeah, and so the people who who are poorer, etc., they're paying so much more for it. You know, it's a poverty premium. Um, so I'd like to see f uh, fairer tools come into place, products that support them, help them. Um, uh, so that's where I see things going. I, I'm seeing enhancement. I hope, inshallah, with all of the various digital banks that are coming. I really hope, inshallah, that we start to see products that support Muslims and generally people um, in having access to fairer products. Yeah. The big worry for me with um, fintechs is this valuation game. And, I, and I've seen it already. And what I worry about is people are taking the eye of the ball in terms of producing quality, uh, producing benefit uh, and they're just going to look to play this game of let's get uh, a high valuation and then we'll exit so they're not building to last they're building to sell um, so they come in with that mentality uh, and I, I think that's a huge disservice uh, to, 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 to themselves and uh, you know to the industry really interesting um, yeah I, I was thinking about that question as I was as I was putting it to you I, was like, I don't actually know what my thoughts on, on it would be. I think um, perhaps like, the way I see it is you've got this, you had this unbundling of the banks happening. Yeah. And then now I think you're, you're now seeing, at least with the mainstream digital fintechs like Revolut and others, this concept of a super app yeah. uh, developing. I think that's an interesting trend. Um, but I also think that there's there's probably two other things that I find interesting. One is this whole cryptocurrency and blockchain yeah. world uh, and what, what will come of that. Maybe it's, it's too early to say, but you know, I, I think there's something, there's a very interesting yes. bubbling something there. Um, and then I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, what, 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 I've, what I've seen over the last like five, five, 10 years, the people that have done well are the infrastructure players. Uh, so the, you know, the comply advantage on Vidos or yeah. wealth kernel or that sort of thing. And, and that's great. Um, what it has done is commoditized everything. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if, you know, if I wanted to set up a digital bank or, you know, Cabsy wanted to set up something, we could do that probably in about three or four months. Um, and, and, and I think what, what's happening now across FinTech is that everyone is doing everything or they're, they're jumping onto lots of things because it's easy to do. Um, where that's gonna end up, I don't really know. I think in some ways, I think that's actually good for the big banks yeah. because ultimately where, you know, where everything looks the same, it then becomes a reputation game. Um, and that's where, you know, they can win. Where do you think the risks are? The risks for? Just so, in which the, the way the industry is going and the fintechs, like, as I guess for the people that you advise or we, as a, we serve as a community, yeah. You know, what should they watch out for? Uh, you mean Islamic fintechs or just fintech generally? Um, and let's say start with Islamic. Start with Islamic. Um, with Islamic fintech, I think it's it's actually positive because we we don't even have the basics a lot of the time. So the fact that you know you you are now commoditizing the access to things that would otherwise be prohibitively expensive to do previously, I think is useful because then it means that niche communities like the Muslim community, you can potentially get to a, you know, a, a profitable business yeah. at, at a push uh, serving just a niche uh, because everything's just, you know, the, the cost base is a lot lower and the barriers to entry are a lot lower. Um, where, you know, I, I do think that it's still going to need some reputational element to this still because, you know, if, particularly in the digital banking world, if you've got 10 people going for that same pie, then it's very difficult without, um, because you know, you, you're cannibalizing the same very small niche. Um, but with mainstream, I think that it's, it's probably uh, more, uh, more negative, weirdly enough. And the reason why I think that is because what they're now competing, like you know, the, in the Islamic world, you're competing against really no one. Yeah. Because I think Arayan's exiting out of the market and 
a lot of the other ones are going for the more commercial property end yeah. of the spectrum. So you're not really competing with anyone. But with the mainstream, you're competing with, you know, it's HSBC versus Revolut or Monzo. And I think HSBC will come off long term probably better off in that fight just because they have uh, deep pools of patient capital Absolutely. and a lot more of them. And, and in that world, it's all about lending. And if they're, if they're able to source capital cheaper, they're going to make more money long run. But then, uh, you know, I sound like a granddad now, so... Uh. No, I, I think something... <laughs> no, Ibrahim, I think what you've said is very important. The other element, actually, when it comes to the conventional space, is you see the traditional banks, uh, they've been operating in a regulated space since inception. So they've gone through all of the cycles of regulation, etc. Fintechs have come in and essentially, I mean, these were technology companies with a finance angle. And you, you, you get that when you speak to them. Um, really, is it, you know, finance companies that they want to be delivered, you know, uh, digitally quicker? It's kind of a lot of the guys behind it who are driving, making the decisions are, uh, from a technology background. So them now having to grow with the changing regulation is not easy even understanding it, you know, okay, what regulation applies, thinking with that regulated hat on. So um, there is a challenge for them, and I've seen that, where they fall foul of it quite often. Uh, and, and in the end, I think you're right, you know, the, the, the traditional banks, you know, they're used to operating in that space. They will throw money at coming up with digital solutions, and they are doing it, actually. A number of these actual, you know, uh, digital banks that um, we think are completely independent are actually financed by the, yeah. old, the old school banks, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they're not doing a bad job either. No. I, I quite like the HSBC app these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not r horrific. It's good from a competition perspective. It's good from a product perspective for, yeah. for us, the end users, isn't it? And, um, and Omar, what do you think, let's step away from fintech now and just think about the Muslim community as a whole. Yeah. Over the next decade, what's the thing that, you know, is worrying you the most? Just generally or from a finance perspective? Both, but particularly generally. I, I think we, and then there's been this angst, I still don't think that we're comfortable with who we are. And there's this uh, friction that needs to be addressed or removed. Um, conversations were had, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago around, you know, what British Islam is, British Muslims, etc. And we used to laugh at the time, what were you talking about, Islam's Islam, you know? And now we actually come to the point to realize actually our orf, our, you know, practice, our identity, my children, right? They've never seen the village I come from in Pakistan. I see the village I come from, the village my dad was born in and brought up in. That's one generation, mm. right? It's just me in between, right? My dad was born there, brought up there, right? Everything happened and then he came here. I've still go to see it. My children haven't seen it. There's no connection from that perspective. And so, you know, where we were kind of protected by, I guess, our family and our culture, you know, and I don't use culture in a negative way. I mean, our culture protected us uh, to some extent. We're now devoid of that. There's so many things which are breaking down in, in, in family by modernity. You know, just how we interact with guests, how we interact with each other, uh, the breakdown of the family, the wider family system, all of this, it's, for me, I see as a huge issue because we're adopting uh, societal norms uh, very quickly. And we don't, I'm not saying that everything's negative about that, but it's without the protection that you would have otherwise. You know, when we were growing up, uh, if we spoke about, we saw uh, how our parents interacted with guests. You know, and that's a proper tangent we're going off on. But we know when guests came, how they would behave, and you'd always have things ready to give them, etc. How often do people just turn up at your house out of the blue room? Relatively rarely these days. Hardly ever, isn't it? Yeah. People always call ahead, etc. That time, everyone would just turn up. You saw how your parents behaved with them. You would behave with guests in a certain way. Our children aren't exposed to that. Mm. You know, even small thing like you know how to treat the guest. You know, I think we've we've lost it. You know, uh, it's seen as an inconvenience as opposed to people who bring blessings. 
people feel worried about even turning up at someone's house. Yeah. You know, uh, we are time poor from that perspective. Like, and, and when you visit, when you go visit Muslim countries, etc., you see, alhamdulillah, all right, you know, on the productivity side, maybe they're not up there. But one thing they do have is time for family, etc. Um, and that's something I worry about, you know, in terms of the, the, the family life and, and where we're going and how do we protect uh, our, our own families, our communities. Because on, on the West end of it is you're seeing children becoming, you know, being brought up by the streets. You know, uh, we're sat here in East London and regularly we hear about stabbings, etc. And it's not just a question of OKR, you know, it's just young, young kids. There's things that led up to that. Yeah. Uh, and, and part of that problem is the financial system. This is when you look back at it. You know, um, when I was growing up, you know, one parent worked, they could buy a house. Now it's nigh on impossible if both husband and wife aren't working. Yeah. And then what happens to the children? What happens to the tarbiyah? All of these things. It's, that's kind of at the forefront of my mind. Thrown into that is identity issues. You know, uh, being sincere to what Islam is, you know, Islamophobia, racism on the rise, blatantly, man. When we saw the last World Cup, like, you know, and Brexit, it's just come out. It's crazy. Yeah. People, are, you know, they're not even hiding it, navigating through all of this. It's a tough one, isn't it? Um, and I mean, I think the other one is that you've got, I agree with all of that. And then you've got the flip side, you know, with the kids where, Let's say you're a more working class, you know, the streets bring them up. Yeah. But then if you're more, you know, middle class, then there's the threat of, you know, the rise of, um, you know, gender politics uh, going on. Uh, and, yeah, completely. And all of that stuff, because, you know, the Muslim, Muslims are, make, I think, are around 10%, uh, much, much more so than the normal population of younger you know, of students and yeah. university students. That's right. And there, I think they're saying that, you know, there's about 15 or 20% of that population is now um, within that, you know, is not just straight, um, uh, you know, from a gender perspective or uh, like a sexuality perspective. And, and my worry is that in 10 years, 20 years time, that's going to be, you know, 10, 20% of the Muslim community is yeah. going to be in that same bucket. Um, and, and that's going to be a, a big challenge. It is, it is. I mean, it's, it's aggressive in terms of uh, how it's being, you know, the whole agenda, the gender agenda is being pushed forward. And, and this, is, this is part of what I mean is, how do we navigate this? Yeah. How, how do we have that narrative that we understand, that we can teach our children, that we can even talk about, yeah. you know? It's, it's you can't import uh, the kind of approach to this. It has to be something organic that we look at that understands the time and, and the laws under which we operate, but is sincere to what Islam tells us um, and being able to do that. You know, I, I've seen parents stressed. Uh, I remember just randomly at a, a petrol station in South London a few years ago, a person came up to me and he goes, oh, Asalaamu Alaikum visibly really distressed and um and he goes can i speak to you and i was like sure sure brother and he goes i don't know what to do i go what's wrong he goes there is um a child his daughter goes to a, a girl's school and there was a child in her class that uh went through you know operation to become you know a male effectively yeah and they're insisting that the, the now boy stays in the class and they just don't know what to do, how to deal with it. You know, they'll be called extremists if they say anything. You know, and he was shaken. And this is ha probably happening up and down the country because they don't know how to deal with it. And we haven't been strong, you know, in terms of our narrative on this. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think it's, uh, it, this is definitely one of the big challenges uh, for sure. Omar, what I wanted to do to wrap up is yeah. Uh, get into some quick fire questions. All right, let's go for it. Uh, and you, you know, whatever really get, comes into your head, okay. I want you to spit it out. Um, Be careful with that. <laughs> yeah. So the first one is right. uh, a, a classic. Three people, dead or alive, that you'd like to have dinner with. So actually, um, I'd love to have dinner with Malcolm X. Malcolm X, because 
I think, subhanAllah, he had so much foresight. Uh, the things he spoke about is as if we're living through that. Uh, he spoke truth to power. Mm. Um, and his approach, um, you know, having the courage to, to actually live by that, you know, I think is something we could really learn from. So, um, and you think, obviously, so should I choose two more? Two more. Um, I also, I was thinking about, you know, rather, rather than a specific person, I kind of, there's a group of people yeah. I, I, I'd like to speak to. It was the, um, when, when India was separated, Pakistan, yeah. India and so on, right? At that time it's Pakistan and India. What was going through uh, the minds of the people that facilitate? Because we know, see, it, was just, it wasn't just mm. Muhammad Ali Jinnah. It's like the excitement, but the, the, what we're going to do, the birth of a nation, mm. what's coming forth. What was the, the ulama's view on it? I'd really like to know what the scholars view on it was, because it, it wasn't going to be that the, all of the Muslims were going to go over to Pakistan. There was going to be Muslims in India. Would that weaken the base where we once ruled? Are we facilitating a weakening? Mm. Of, of the Ummah Like What was they thinking You know uh, I'd love to have been You know a, a, a fly on the wall or, or sit there and talk to them And say What were your worries What were your motivations And all of these You know These types of questions Because I think it's interesting You know And you and the whole India discussion is, 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 is a great one to have anyway But you think That the Muslims That rule there And how that The, the, the kind of Yeah The participate Precipitation of the end With that but then having that move, we're going to have an independent Pakistan, what that meant. And then obviously it's failures and the mistakes it's made along the way. But, you know, f but from a scholarly perspective, yeah, you know, that fragmenting, you know, um, that would be something interesting for me to, yeah, to, to speak about. That would be fascinating. That's a great answer, actually. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. If you ever sort that one out, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, invite you as well, I'll, I'll get in there. Um, favorite meal? Favorite meal? Um... I would say that I've had or I enjoy the most. Both. All right, favorite meal, I got to say, once I was in Murray in Pakistan and I had this chicken karai here yeah. that they made fresh. So you wait there in the cold and they give you this big kind of like karai and they put coals in it to keep you warm whilst oh, yeah? you wait. And then you wait about an hour and they make it fresh for you. But they make it just with roti and this um, chicken karai. And they, honestly, subhanAllah, it was uh, sublime. And I still remember it to this and I can't, you know, I just want to go back just to have that. <laughs> <laughs> My mouth is watering yeah. as I hear that. And what's your favorite meal generally? Um, a favorite meal generally, I'd probably say um, biryani. Solid yeah, option. Yeah, definitely. You're Especially when Mahala makes you know, it. Makes it very well. man through and through. Exactly. None of this fish and chips or, <laughs> no, 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 no. you know, pasta or anything <laughs> like that. Um, favorite mainstream fintech? Favorite mainstream fintech? Um, I would say I really like uh, played or how do you... Plaid, some people pronounce oh, it. Oh yeah, Plaid. Yeah. yeah. So um, Plaid. So the way they integrate, you know, your bank into, you know, whichever different, you know, fintech or different apps that you're using, it's so seamless. I've really enjoyed using it. I've used it on a number of different occasions. When when I did my car insurance, Marshmallow, they were really good. They use Plaid as well. We use Plaid for Wahid, um, and I just found it works so well. It does the the ID part of it as well. It just connects you. It authorizes you. And then it's seamless, which is, for me, which is what open banking was really supposed to be about. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great shout. Yeah, I, I really like Plaid. I think it's uh, I think it's probably the dominant one, isn't it, in that open banking scene at the yeah. moment? Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? Who, who do you like? Uh, who do I like? I think I would say uh, Tinkoff Bank in okay. Russia. I think they're really interesting. Uh, I think, who else? Who else is that? I, I, I respect Revolut. Yes, I think yeah. that their like their velocity of um, movement is very impressive. Um, yeah, so those are the, those are the ones that immediately yeah. spring to mind. Re Revolut's the standard, isn't it? I yeah. would say people my my Revolut account, my first interaction with the fintech was Revolut, and just the ease of of use again, and everyone, you know, uh, using it. It's the standard, isn't it? I would say. Yeah, I mean the annoying thing is I uh, and this is by the way some a campaign that I would like to get into at some point. I've uh, not been able to get onto Monzo or Revolut uh, because really? you know it's because of that uh, where you get screened initially and yeah. if your name comes up and uh, really yeah so at some point I'll I'll be kicking up a fuss about that. Um, okay, that's really surprising. 
Any other famous Ibrahim Khans? Not really, I don't think. Um, but I suspect, you know, if you've got Muhammad Ibrahim Khan is my full name, yeah. there'll be a fair few of them in the... And this is personal account as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, just personal account. And then if you've got like a fuzzy match with, you know, some kind of spell, spelling version, yeah. Muhammad Ibrahim and Khan are very common names. Yeah. So... I mean, th this is a huge issue. Maybe it's another discussion yeah. around the whole KYC <laughs> and, you know, yeah. Racism, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Complete and utter racism. I agree. I agree. Well, we'll I'm just biding my time uh, to kick up a fuss about that. I thought let's let's kick up a fuss about the student loan stuff first. Good, and sure. then and then you know we'll <laughs> systematically fight <laughs> yes. these fights. Um, final question, uh, final uh, quick round, uh, quick fire round question: yeah. uh, MMA or boxing? You know what? I would say traditionally it was boxing. From you know um, when MMA first started off, I used to watch the UFC early doors, and it was very different to what it is now. Uh, but I would say as I've matured let's hope um mma mma i guess there's a number of reasons obviously not just because of habib but generally i think islamically it's better where it's the grappling and less hitting in the face i think alongside the fact that the boxing the the superstars aren't there in the same way hmm. i mean the tyson uh and wilder fight was phenomenal fury and wilder was phenomenal but generally that quality of boxer isn't there anymore i don't think yeah. um and mma has come at a point where it's come a lot more into the mainstream and it's aligned to us islamically you know the wrestling so. yeah makes sense uh omar it's been it's been a pleasure having you uh any final words uh, for our audience um no really i think that look you know um islamic fintech and anyone who's on in this space um it's still growing it's it's easy to compare them to other organizations and i think that look whichever organization is, they still need support and, and be forthcoming in the feedback that you give, be forthcoming in the ideas that you give them and, and support them in any way you, you can. You know, it's, um, it's a lot easier to say something negative than to say something positive. We want to see a rise of the Muslim community. And I know you share this as well, Ibrahim, the way the literacy amongst the Muslim, the Muslim community is higher. We're economically independent, we're strong, and we're able to then flow that through the community so that, inshallah, everyone benefits, Muslims and non-Muslims alike, because our principles are universal, that the good that we'll bring, inshallah, will be universal as well. So that's just the last few words I want to say to everyone. Definitely. I would, uh, completely echo all of those. Jazakallah khair, Omar, for making the time. Uh, this has been fascinating. I was I loved chatting with you. Um, Pleasure's mine. And, and learning from you as well. And hopefully we can do it again. You know, maybe maybe next year sometime. Inshallah. Jazakallah. Jazakallah. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Assalamualaikum.